Is this 103? I'm sorry, chapter 104. Yeah, that's right. I said that wrong, didn't I? I'm still waiting for the live feed to come up. So as soon as it comes up. Okay, there we go. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my live feed. And um, this is your opportunity to share it if you wanna share it on any of your social media. Um, Okay, let me get back to study, lesson study. Okay, again, today we're studying from Testimonies for the Church, uh, volume one, chapter 104. The title of the chapter is Conflicts and Victory. So let's pray before we get started. Dear kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity, first of all, of just waking up today and um, being able to commune another Sabbath day with you. We thank you for this opportunity of study, Lord God, and I just pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to open up our understanding that we may glean principles of truth from this lesson study that we might apply to our own lives, Lord, that uh, we will draw ever closer to you. Uh, we just thank you and praise you and lift up the name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Okay, so this was a very interesting chapter uh, to me, uh, and it makes me think about uh, the verse in the Bible that says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he shall suffer persecution. Anybody remember that verse? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so she starts off talking about her experiences from April 26, 1867 to October 20th, 1867. So about the span of what, maybe, maybe about six months, April? Yeah, about six months span time. Yeah, yeah. And, and, about uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so she starts off talking about how they, uh, they went north and held some meetings at West Windsor. And then she says, um, then after reaching home, they held some meetings at Fair Plains and Orleans. And then they also gave some attention to the matter of building. They planted their garden. They put out certain, uh, certain um, berries. And then they returned to the general conference at Battle Creek. And she says that the first Sabbath on their way, they spent at Orleans and they observed a fast. And she said it was a day of great solemnity with them. And they sought to humble themselves before God and with brokenness of spirit and much weeping, they all prayed fervently that God would bless and strengthen them to do his will at the conference. And uh, so she said they had some faith and hope that their captivity would be turned at that meeting. 
So they ended up at Battle Creek and they found that their previous efforts had not accomplished what they had hoped. Their fasting and praying had not accomplished what they had hoped. And what did she, what did she say? Actually, what, what did they come upon when they um, went to the conference, general conference? There are a lot of bad reports and jealousy, bad reports about yeah. their, their activity and jealousy about what they were doing mm. from mm. the members. <laughs> you know, and that stood out to me that it didn't come. She didn't really say from the outside. She was saying it was coming from the inside, mm-hmm. which, you know, like like Elder said, you know, the members in, you know, being that. I guess because, you know, what I've learned about her uh, as far as, you know, Ellen White and and having the visions and stuff, you would have thought that that was the time they would have drawn closer to them because the word of God was getting was getting out there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But instead, there was all kind of rumor mongering and uh, just the Satan was just doing a, a work. And um, how did that make her feel? Uh, I thought that was interesting. She admitted that she was filled with intense anguish and actually wept aloud for some hours, couldn't restrain her grief. Because sometimes we think of her as a prophet with, and most prophets, we think that they just do what God says and they have no human feelings, but they're humans, first of all. And Mm. so she just couldn't contain her grief and was crying out loud for a long time she says so and it's the same with any of us as church members you know what maybe we're in a meeting and we're a professional in the meeting or maybe you're the leader of a department but that doesn't mean that you don't have feelings you know Mm -hmm. or that you don't get get your feelings hurt or that you don't have struggles and trouble and trial like anybody else you know we're Mm -hmm. not robots what, what, see, what I had an, I had another elder that told me that Ellen White says we should not, uh, uh, I guess, show our emotions and feelings because we shouldn't rely. We should, I guess, he was saying we shouldn't rely on them. But I made a comment: Aren't we all human, and we do get our, you know, we do get hurt sometimes? And he was like, "Well, that's from the spirit of the devil," and I thought. After I, you know, read this 104 and I said, and I pondered all week and I was like, he's not quite wrong. You know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, as when we get hurt, hold that against people, because eventually in this chapter, she goes on to say that she, you know, she forgave. But she still became she still had human emotions where it didn't feel good to her what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think we sent, we tend to forget that we do have human emotions. First and foremost, we're humans, then we're Christians. You know, and a lot of times people want to say, oh, you should never be discouraged. You should never doubt. Yeah, that's the ideal situation. But when you first get those feelings, you're not thinking about the ideal situation. Now, like like you had said, Patsy, later on, she forgave him. Well, later on, then we say, oh, yeah, I don't. there's no need for me to doubt. You know, and then we remind ourselves of some promises and scriptures. But the first, your first action is humanity. And then comes the spirit of the Lord telling you, reminding you of his promises. And then you can push away the doubt and push away the grief and that kind of thing. But it doesn't happen instantly. Yeah, and I think a lot of times the hurt is not because 
what people are saying is true, it's because we thought they were friends and now we feel like we've been stabbed in the back. So we've been caught unawares, you know? And um, so I think after, you know, some prayer and some reflection, you know, we're able to like, you know, get past it. But immediately we, we were caught off guard by somebody that we thought was a friend. And especially if all we've ever wanted to do for them was good and all we've ever done for them was good. Yeah. And also, Sister Karen, especially if it's people like in Ellen White's case, at Battle Creek, these were people that were supposed to be uh, upholding the principles of God, you know, getting the word out, you know, reaching people. So she thought, I think, as far as unity, we should all be united in this cause that God has asked us to go and do. And then you see fighting among themselves. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of thing still happens today. Another thing people forget is Jesus had human emotions. You know, he cried when Lazarus died, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He still was sad about it. He cried when he looked at the city of Jerusalem and he said, all this time I've been trying to save you all and point you the right way. And y'all just not listening, you know, and it hurt his feelings, like you said, because he's trying to do what's right. And people just, you know, basically kicking him around. And he got angry at the money changers. He wasn't playing with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, Then she said she talked to a friend, that a longtime friend, and um, he reported that he had heard that people were saying they were too extravagant in their spending. (laughs) So then she tells a story about a chair. What what was the story about the chair? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Her husband husband was sick and emaciated. And when he sat in the regular rocking chair, he was he uh, didn't feel good. It would you know make him hurt. So she had to buy him a chair, but the chair she wanted was uh, she only had fifteen dollars. She wanted to pay fifteen. It wasn't made, so the man gave her chair at a discount price of thirty dollars down to seventeen. And so that's what the, the problem was, because he was laying down a lot. And really, I heard from my folk, my physical therapist said one day of laying in a hospital bed, it's it's like three days of doing nothing. And she says you it take you about three days to recoup. So for every day you have to, to recoup, you have to uh, exercise or whatever, at least three days. So that's kind of what she was saying. But basically, you go down fast when you're laying around. And I also think, too, that they thought that she should not have purchased it for those that I don't want to say they were naysayers, but they didn't think that she should be purchasing it. And she decided what was best, you know, for her and her husband. So I think it was a thing that they they didn't want her to purchase the the chair and they wanted her to follow what they were telling her to do. And I think she prayed about it and she did what God and the Holy Spirit led her to do. You know, I think too, um, okay, this is going to get kind of personal here. But um, if you look at those people and look at it from their perspective, and she was a, from their perspective now, she was a so-called prophet. It would be easy for you to come, because Satan would be right there at your side. 
to come up with. She's just a froster and she's trying to get money from people. And she, you know, all of that. I could easily see that that scenario being amongst us today. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it, too, they weren't recognizing how much sacrifice her and her husband had done since the church was even before it started. You know, they were giving up everything, houses, land, food, uh, convenience. They were putting everything they had into the church. And then the one time that they buy something for themselves, and like Patsy was saying, the church members wanted them to put it into the church, then they get criticized. But like she said, hey, this is about health and safety. This is very important. If I don't do this, my husband's not going to be able to keep pushing forward to continue pressing the message. And they weren't thinking about that. All they were thinking about was we want the money for what we want it for. Right. And in fact, he was in that condition because they had pressed so hard and he had worked mm -hmm. uh, for the church and in the church. And yeah, so at some point, all that. you know, she had to say, you know what, I've just got to, I've got to do what's best for my husband. And she actually didn't even get the chair she actually wanted she <laughs> into getting a different chair, which didn't have the same quality as the chair she actually wanted that she was going to get on sale. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, isn't it funny that they didn't ask what they could do to help they just knew this is what I want to be done with the money. And I said, and I kept reading, I said, when did, when did it even show that they came and asked her, you know, what can we do to maybe get what you actually think your husband needs? And you don't, you don't read that. All you read is them telling her, this is what we want done with the money. Yeah. I know. Where's that, the yeah. compassion? You know, I'm just saying, where was the compassion for a sick man, uh, uh, you know, her husband, where was the compassion? Mm -hmm. I think down here it says, I did with this exception, I would rely upon my own judgment. I think that's what God, the message God was trying to get to her. She was going to have to be completely an uh, independent minded person. She could not be swayed by anybody else or have anybody else input into her life or in any way really because if she did you know let's say like if she if she had uh then it gets out oh yeah she just do a brother so-and-so it just creates more problems than it would help so i think this is just another one of those situations for her and for us to to learn to have trust in 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 our confidence in our decisions and not be swayed by other people because you know um they're gonna talk anyway it just don't matter i, I don't think i think if she would have got a three dollar chair they was gonna say something yeah she got the chair on a yeah. big discount anyway but she didn't get that chair. yeah mm -hmm. it could it be too that she was a woman back in those times and you know and i'm not picking on the man on this line okay elder carol but <laughs> could it be because she was a woman they felt like you know she needs to follow what we say and so I just, like I said, I just think she followed what the Holy Spirit led. But, you know, back in those times, you know, when a man spoke or when, we, you know, women were supposed to just listen and do what they were told. Yeah, but it says she and her husband, too, and stuff. And I just, I think they may have been kind of on the mild side with their personalities. And so when you, 
it's unfortunate, but you know, you try to be like Christ-like, people just cheer into you like you're crazy, like they're crazy or something. They really get get out of mindset out of all the The thing about it, uh the Lord was or she was saying, I'll rely upon my own judgment, like Lakita's saying, when God tells us to do something, we have to believe that God told me to do this and not just go by any uh wind of doctrine or any opinion that people might have because everybody's got their own opinion but if God has led you to this decision we got to stick with it It kind of reminded me of when I was a little kid and my grandmother had told me to do something and so I was going to do it and then my little sister came and said uh no grandma said do this and instead of going with what she told me I decided to listen to my sister and end up in trouble and my grandma said, I told you what to do. Why are you listening to her? And that's the whole thing. When God tells us what to do, we don't need to listen to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she actually, um, I guess she listened to the salesman or something. She didn't actually listen to the people that were that were the naysayers. But um, she's saying that she would have listened to her own judgment. She really should have listened to her own judgment. But um had she listened to the people of course you know she wouldn't have got anything probably as we were saying one of you was saying and um, they would have complained that her husband wasn't fulfilling his duties mm-hmm. that he uh-huh. to come up and preach he don't help with the outreach he this mm-hmm. he that mm-hmm. people always find well, some reason to complain why uh-uh i didn't know this i thought i didn't think she was talking about the the salesperson she wouldn't have listened to her. I think she was, I thought she was talking. No, that was a friend that was with her. Oh, it was a friend with her. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, that's you can't right. listen to no friends. That's for sure. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it, was, it was another brother and that was with her. Then mm-hmm. she says that in the next paragraph, she says that some reports had also reached her that a, a, a sister in Memphis had stated that. Uh, and here that the Battle Creek Church had not the slightest confidence in her her testimony, and that um, the question was asked if this referred to the written testimony, and the answer was no, uh, not to her published divisions, but to the testimonies that that she gave in the meetings to the church, because her life contradicted her testimonies. So she requested. Now, I got a question: Was Battle Creek their home church? I think so at that time. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think they live. Okay. I think they live somewhere else with Battle Creek. They were having a con- conference meeting there. Well, um, now we went up there when 3ABN had their 25th anniversary and their house was not too far from the church, the, the church that was there. Yeah, they, they did live there at one point, but on here, it said they yeah. had went back north home. Yeah. Then yeah, later, they, they had they had built another they had built another house somewhere else, but um, they did live at Battle Creek at one point. I don't know if this is the time that they lived there or what. But anyway, right. Um, okay, so, the reason why I asked that because it said that you know it, they said because her life contradicted them, and I was like, what was so different in her testimony at a meeting as opposed to? Did your church being around her and knowing the character of her and her husband? I, mm-hmm. I, I guess because I don't know a lot about, you know, her background, Ella White, as far as, you know, the Battle Creek Church, other than what I'm reading and I'm learning. 
but I was like, was there a big difference in what she what she said? I don't know. Well, so 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 it kind of answers it in this in this paragraph. And so she says that she requested an interview with some of the experienced brethren and sisters, including the persons who had circulated the, these rumors. And um, she said that I there requested that they would now show me wherein my life had not been in accordance with my teachings. And if my life had been so inconsistent as to warrant the statement that the church at Battle Creek had not the slightest confidence in my testimony, it could not be a difficult matter to present the proofs of my unchristian life, basically. And they could not produce anything to justify the statements made. And they confessed that they were all wrong in the report circulated and that their suspicious suspicions and jealousies were unfounded. So okay, but you see what I'm saying though, Sister Karen, was there something particular that they picked out that they were saying that her test what she was 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 given as a testimony didn't go along with they with her with her well, life but, or was it just is, in general? But this is saying in general there was a rumor going around or slander going okay. around that. So when, but when she asked them for something specific, they were unable to put their hands on anything specific. Okay, yeah, they didn't really you. specify what the rumor was. Just mm -hmm. that they, there was and they no ended up not being able to say anything. Yeah, okay. There was no foundation, which a lot of times that's all gossip is, is unfounded rumors, which is why we shouldn't be listening to gossip. If somebody has something honest and true to say it, they can just say it up front. Mm -hmm. But if they just gossiping behind people's back, it's probably false. And so then she says, that she freely forgave all those who had injured them. And she told them that uh, she would ask on their part, I see, and told them that all I would ask on their part was to counteract the influence they had exerted against us. And I would be satisfied and they promised to do this, but have not done it. So they promised to counter yeah. So they promised to ba basically make good on it, but they didn't. Mm -mm. I don't know really how she expected that, except to maybe them go and say, well, what we said wasn't true. But yeah, that you know, would be the least a person can do is go back and say, hey, I was wrong about what I said about so-and-so. That wasn't true. Yeah, but people who spread rumors. But, you know, you got people that won't even say, I'm sorry, when they offend somebody. They're like, right. oh, that she just she just too tender hearted. She just. And I'm like, well, even if you, even if that's true about that person, at least say you sorry to them because you hurt them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next. I was told by a church member, I need to get some thick skin. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should try not saying things that are hurtful. Mm. You should get some thick skin to be around the loving Christians. <laughs> yeah. But then it goes right into how there was a lot of other lying reports about them. It's just kind of sad because nothing has changed. Wherever you go, you know, humans are humans, you know, and people just like to gossip and, and lie on folks. And now people lie so easily, it's hard to even tell. You know, they got people that supposedly can tell who's lying by the way their eyes move and their move, body movements. Now some of these people are so good at lying, they can't even tell. Yeah, because in this next paragraph, it says some per persons of influence manifested a disposition to crush them. And mm -hmm. she says they were trying to crush them. 
Mm-hmm. Her and her husband, they were trying to get, get do away with them as far as their testimony and their willingness to, you know, to do what God asked them to do. They were just trying to crush them. So we all know who, who was behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's very easy for people to get jealous. They look at uh, Sister and Brother White, and they're always up front. People are talking about how they move in the church forward. They hear that she's having testimonies, and people get uh, jealous and mad about it. Then they just want to tear you down because that kind of shines a light that they're not really doing anything to advance the cause. So instead of them waking up and saying, hey, what does God want me to do? They rather just tear down the people who are actually doing something. And we still see that in churches today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just saying this to somebody today, the wheat and the tear grow together. And so, you know, there's always going to be Satan is always going to be in the church. He just is. Um, so then she says um, they were in want and her husband had tried to sell some property, but then they, they thought he was wrong for doing that. And then uh, and I don't remember the story about the cow. I remember reading something about the cow in another chapter, but uh, they lost their cow. And they were looking upon the brethren to help them replace the cow. And that's in this chapter. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, that's in this chapter. Okay. I don't remember. But you you haven't got there yet, but it's in this chapter. Okay. Okay. But anyway, they were looked upon as what's wrong with you? You shouldn't be asking for no help to replace your cow. And, (laughs) and then, um, they supposed that. They, they thought, because they were trying to sell the house at Battle Creek, that's the one I, I think I told you all we went and saw. Um, they thought it was as good as sold. And they bought and began, they bought some land and began to build a house at, in Greenville. But they couldn't sell their Battle Creek property. And so in this, they, they were financially strapped. And so her husband wrote to different brethren to, to I guess, borrow money. And then they were condemned for that. And they charged them with the sin of grasping for money, which I guess is being greedy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the brother, someone most active in this work was heard to say, we do not want Brother E to buy Brother White's place, but we want his money for the Health Institute. So what could they do? <laughs> you know, no way could we turn, but we were blamed. So they, they were, they were, it was like, they were wrong if they turned to the right and they were wrong if they turned to the left. And it's like, mm-hmm. what did they do? Yep. You know, that was just the set, uh, the devil doing yeah. his best to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, no matter what they did, they couldn't win for losing. Nope. Nope. And I do think that, you know, this is really a, a very important message for all of us too. For one thing, in the Bible it says, the arm of flesh will fail you. You know, we can't really count on people and stuff. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, I'm kind of reading into this. I don't believe she was doing this, but just because you do for other people, that don't mean they will be there for you. So, you know, you think that you're building up relationships with people and stuff, but that doesn't mean anything for real. That's kind of what I'm getting out of this. And then the third thing, the message for us is, don't be covetous of other people's stuff. You know, they don't know what those people went through. You know, like she lost her baby. 
She lost another son. Her husband died before her. She had to go on to work by herself. It was. It don't sound like a very glamorous life to be a prophet. It didn't sound like it was something I, I would relish doing. Well, what kind of, uh, what I was noticing too was here's the church members condemning them, calling them names, gossiping about them, but nobody offered to help them. You know, here are these people about to lose their house. They don't Amen. have money for food or they're struggling trying to borrow money and nobody says, hey, you know, let's uh, put together some offering for the, the brother and sister white so they can eat, you know, or do something. They just was condemning just them. No compassion. Kicking them, kicking them while they were down. That's what Pastor was saying a few minutes ago. They, they were just, you know, where was the compassion? There ain't none. There was none. There was none whatsoever. So then they went on uh, and they, um, I guess. They oh, still- before you go there, you just mentioned there was no compassion. Do y'all think there was at least some of the members that had some compassion? Somebody, <laughs> even though they didn't speak up, there had to be somebody who said, wow, they really catching it, you know, and that ain't right. But, you know, but maybe they weren't in a position to help either. Well, let's see, I think there was a lot of them that probably prayed for them and then didn't want the ones that were against them to know. I think they prayed silently, you know, in their own way for them. But, you know, I'm, and, and, and I'm not saying that, that they were wrong, but uh, how God says, faith without works is dead. I mean, these people were really, the whites really needed help, not only through prayer, but, you know, like I said, I just didn't see the compassion on their uh, taking care of, helping them take care of some physical needs as well as the spiritual aspect because it was to me it was like it was divided. I don't want to help them physically, but maybe I'll pray for them spiritually. But I, they, some of those people had to have enough that they could have shared. Yeah, they were praying silently because they didn't want to be next. <laughs> yeah, and, and think about it when when Jesus was captured. All the disciples ran and hid. So when the when the whites were going through this, sure, they probably had friends, close friends, but like you were saying, they didn't want to be ostracized like this either. Now, when you look at this here story, look at this, and you think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you look at the um, recent Thing online about I guess this guy's name was Tyre. I don't know if it's his first line or Tyree. I don't know if it's second line. Where the four policemen uh, beat him up and then he died oh, a few yeah. days later. You know, not standing for what is right. I bet you one of those or two of those four didn't really want to do that. And now your life, you're going to jail just like the rest of those people. They don't go to jail because they have American policemen. There's not going to be no suspension with pay. Y'all going to jail. And a couple of the firemen or fire department people got in trouble because they apparently stood around too. Just saying. Take some backbone to be a Christian. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a that's a message too here. It's, you know, like people are just standing around watching her suffer, as Pessy I pointed out. And just watching people suffer and just not even trying, you know, but instead blame the victim. You know, it's y'all fault that y'all don't have nothing. Hmm. Well, I had to pray. But for you know, you wonder, too, when the whites were 
you know, more financially stable and on their feet. You know, they never did say that they didn't go to them and say, this is what the church needs. You never hear about the whites saying, no, we're not going to help the church or nothing. They had open hearts for them. But when they thought the open hearts would be uh, open to them, it was turned off as if Satan, you know, came in and said, no, you just sit sit back and see if they can make it out on their own. And that's a sad way to, to do and we were talking about today in service that we have to look at things differently. We're In this case, we're not just helping the whites. We're helping Jesus. We're helping the work of God. So when we see our Amen. folks in trouble, we're not just helping them. He says, if you help the least of these, my brother, you helping me. And if people can look at it that way, we wouldn't be so stingy with helping people in need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so down in the next chapter, uh, it talks about how her husband, uh, right before he got sick and he was stricken with illness, um, he preached in a house, uh, he preached in a church up until midnight and, um, they only needed $300 to finish, finish pay, paying off the church. So he preached and he asked for the money. And in order to start off the offering, he basically pledged $10 for himself and $10 for his wife. So $20 altogether. And so before midnight, the sum was almost raised. And so the elder of that church was an old friend and they were in extreme want, the whites. They didn't even, he didn't even say they were in want. They were in extreme want. And so they- And friendless. Yeah, and friendless. And they asked, uh, her husband wrote to him and basically let him know they were in this type of want and asked the church to return the $20 if they wished. Well, he said if the church wished to return the $20, they would receive it. And so at the conference, this same old friend called on them and then made the matter a serious wrong and then, he, but before he came to their house, he had, it says he had taken some stock at least general infection. 595.2. Yeah. And um, it says that they felt these things most keenly. And if they had not been especially sustained by the Lord, they could not have borne their testimony at the conference with any degree of freedom. So, you know, it's like no matter what they did, you know, they... They were like the, it seemed like they were like the widow who gave her last two mites. And then they said, well, we need some assistance from the church. And the church said, we're not giving you any help. And basically swatted their hands for even asking. You know, that's one of the things that the church has a um, poor fund and a benevolent fund. One is to help the members, one is to help people outside the church, because it seemed like for a long time, uh, people were only helping folks outside the church, as if the members never needed help. But we can see here, members need help sometimes, mm-hmm. and the church can help members. Amen. Just like it can help non-members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh And then uh, the next paragraph, she talks about some suffering that her husband went through, Uh, but they had a, but they had, um, 
special season of prayer with uh, some of the brethren at their house. And then her husband had a lot of trouble with his teeth and had to have all his teeth pulled. Um, and it says he stopped preaching only one week in his toothless condition, but then he labored at Orange and Wright with the church at home at Greenbush and Bushnell, preaching and baptizing as before. So I guess he was he was well enough after one week of having all his uh, after having all his teeth pulled to continue on with the work. And you know, you just think about what the whites went through to just continue in the work. You know, and they went through a lot. They went through a lot with their health and with, mm -hmm. you know, just a lot. And then we complain about the little bit that, that we do sometimes <laughs> or the little bit that we're asked to do sometimes. Yeah. If you want to see sacrificial giving, they're a great example of it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of the old pioneers that were really sacrificial in their giving, giving up their houses and lands for the uh, work. And, you know, now it's kind of funny sometimes when you're up doing stewardship, it's like you're talking to brick walls sometimes that people just don't seem to understand sacrificial giving at all. They barely want to give anything, especially not sacrificial where it might cost them something, some mm -hmm. sort of convenience mm -hmm. or comfort. Right. Right. But God loves a cheerful giver. So he's not going to make anybody do anything. Um, then she says, after returning from the conference, what, 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 what happened with her after she got back from the conference? He had doubts about uh, uh, existing in her, in her mind. Uh, she viewed God's people as partaking of the spirit of the world and imitating its fashions and getting above the simplicity of, their of, their, of our faith. Mm -hmm. It seemed that the church in Battle Creek was backsliding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then she goes on not only to stop there about them backsliding, she said it seemed it was impossible to get them to, you know, it says to arouse their sense of sensibilities. And I guess to them, you know, we're okay, just like, you know, they say in the, it, it says in the Bible where they think they didn't need God. They're okay. They had all they needed. Mm -hmm. And again, you can see that now in churches all around. Just trying to arouse people's sensibilities to, you know, to the word of God and his promises and his soon coming. It's like, again, trying to talk to rocks sometimes. And what's interesting is that the general conference started in Battle Creek. In fact, we went into the, the place where the general conference started. There was a building there, a little building that it started in. And she says that the testimonies that were given to her by God had the least influence and were the least heeded in Battle Creek out of any other part of the field. Mm -hmm. And so they just basically ignored her. And she says she trembled for the cause of God. But she knew that the Lord had not forsaken his people, but their sins and their iniquities had separated them from God. <sighs> and, you know, I kind of think, you know, like even with the, the, the children of Israel, we're the modern day Israel, even though we're seven day Adventists, sometimes we get to the point that 
since we're Adventists, we think we don't have to do anything else. I've been baptized in the faith, and I know the word. But God does, you know, you're not going to be saved by works. But if God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But it don't. It, he didn't say just go ahead and sit down. Oh, I got it. Let somebody else go out and try to study to get it themselves. Why should I say anything to them? That's not what God did, and that's not what he expects. And I think Battle Creek, it, and it sounds like to me just from reading about them, they got complacent that, this, you know, we know the word, we hear the word, and we don't need to do anything else. God is going to, you know, he's with us, and that's, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Laodicean. And she pointed out, too, that if the leadership is lacking, it's going to trickle down to the membership because mm-hmm. if the leaders are not, yeah, if the leaders are not out doing God's work, if the leaders are not showing compassion, if the leaders are backbiting and living like uh, people on the streets, it's going to trickle down because the members are going to say, oh, well, they doing it. I guess that's OK. And we have to be very careful about that, that we're not looking at the leadership. We're looking keeping our eyes on Jesus, because like Lakita said, the arm of flesh will fail you in every possible way. So if we're looking to them as our leaders, they're going to fail us to be an example of Christ. So we only follow leadership as leadership follows Christ. And Christ is our, our example, not other people. So we have to be very careful as leaders in the church to uphold the um, instruction that the Lord gives us, gives each and every one of us to be an example of Christ to everyone that we come in contact with. Also, Elder Carroll, I think you're right, because sometimes the leadership, they can show their dis, dis, uh, I didn't say disappointment or dislike toward an individual, and people pick up on that, and then they begin to dislike that person, and they haven't even given that person a chance to get to know them. And so then, you know, then they come back and they, they criticize people. They don't want to come to church, and they don't want to do this. Well, when has the leadership uh picked up the phone and says, you know, we miss you. And, you know, we're just wondering, you know, we haven't seen you. Is something going on? We used to have a phone line, and we used to get a call maybe once a month. Now we don't even get a call when they don't see us at all. (laughs) And I think most of the time they used to call us around the time when it was time to return tithe and offerings. You might get a call, you know, (laughs) during that time, but now... But now they just went dead. They don't even call you during that time. But, you know, in your heart, you say, well, you know, God, you know, the church is moving. You know, there's so much different stuff going on. So, you know, in your mind, you make an excuse for it and you say, Lord, at least you and the Holy Spirit ain't left me. And I'm still going to do my part, you know, with tithe and offerings, whether they call or not. But sometimes, you know, especially our seniors and our elderly they get really down on themselves when they don't hear anything from a church member. Mm -hmm. Sad, but true. Yeah. You know, um, I know what you're saying, Pastor. Church members are good, but people really want to hear from those pastors. You know, uh, it just doesn't, I don't know, back in the day when I wasn't in church, Northside people was out. It seemed like they was always in our house. I mean, it's like, um, Brother White lived up the street on Camellia, so he was a walk away. He'd come down. Elder Lawrence came over. He'd take us skating, you know, to the skating rings uh, and to their little parties and socials and stuff. And, you know, Sister, what her name? Miss um, Jackson, 
she was my mother's personal friend. So she came over, they gave us food and, you know, they were, we knew them, you know, we knew who these people were, but you can't say that about, well, you might be able to say it about Agape pastor because they've been walking through the neighborhood, having prayer, you know, and praying with people. Now people are inviting them into their homes. So that was what you're talking about is called laboring for God's people, for, for laboring for souls. And instead, to me, it's shifted to, okay, y'all go out and do these Bible studies and then bring them in so I can preach. It's more, this job is more than just preaching, you know, it's just more than that and stuff. So it's just why I say God is looking for men and women who are willing to spend and be spent. You know I mean, just be tired, be worn out for the gospel of Christ, you know, so we all get there. That's what I would like to have more of a greater desire to just work in the vineyard for God, you know. I don't want to be like these people, all mad because they ain't doing nothing. And whatever Sister White then was doing made them look bad. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I have no understanding why people take offices that they have no intention of fulfilling. Why? Mm-hmm. People, hey, like t- people like titles. They don't necessarily want to do the work, but they like having a title. But the work is fun. At least I like my, my job. I like ministry. Everybody has a title at first, few member. <laughs> so they can just wear that, just keep that title if you don't want to do nothing, just be a pew member. Mm. Well, that's interesting. At least right into the next uh, paragraph, she just, my interest is in this work. My life is interwoven with it. And you just said, Lakita, I like stewardship. You know? Yeah. And it, and it helps when you like the role, the ministry role that you're in, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not just taking it because it's a title, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, is something that you are interested in and you want to do. Uh, she okay. says, when Zion prospers, I'm happy. If she languishes, I'm sad, desponding, and discouraged. And she says, I saw that God's people were in an alarming condition and his favor was being removed from them. And she pondered upon this sad picture day and night and pleaded in bitter anguish, Oh Lord, give not thine heritage to reproach. Let not the heathen say, where is their God? I felt that I was cut loose from everyone at the head of the work and was virtually standing alone. And I dared not trust anyone. In the night, I have awakened my husband saying, I am afraid that I shall become an infidel. Then I would cry for the Lord to save me by his own powerful arm. I could not see that my testimonies were regarded and I entertained the thought that perhaps my work in the Cape cause was done. So then they had different appointments, I guess, to go speak. And she said she told her husband she could not go. And so he soon returned from the post office with a letter from uh, Brother Matson containing a dream. What was the dream about? Anybody? What was Brother Matson's dream? I think in terms he was dreaming of how that, you know, that he that Ellen White needed help and that he felt a duty to remind her in a nice way what God wanted for her and wanted her to keep doing. Am I am I now I'm trying to think because I'm ahead on some other chapters, but I think that's what I remembered about that and that 
he was encouraged, I guess it was an encouragement through his dream to let her know that God wasn't through using her. Okay. Okay. Uh, anybody want to read the dream? He I was in a large house where there was a pulpit, somewhat like those we used in our meeting houses. On it stood many lamps which were burning. These lamps needed a constant supply of oil. And quite a number of us were in, in, engaged in carrying oil and filling them. Brother White and his companion were busy engaged, and I noticed that Sister White poured in more oil than any other. Then Brother White went to a door which opened into a warehouse where there were many barrels of oil. We opened the door and went in, and Sister White followed. Just then, a company of men came along with a great quantity of black stuff that looked like soot and heaped it all upon Brother and Sister White, completely covering them with it. I felt much grieved and looked anxiously to see the end of these things. I could see Brother and Sister White both working hard to get from under the soot, and after a long struggle, they came out as bright as ever. And the evil man and the soot disappeared. Then Brother and Sister White engaged again more hardly than ever in supplying the lamps with oil. The Sister White still had the precedence. I dreamed that the following was the interpretation. The lamps were representing the remnant people. The all was the truth and heavenly love of which God's people need a constant supply. The people engaged in supplying the lamps were the servants of God laboring in the harvest. Who the evil company were in particular, I could not tell. Those were other church members. But they were men moved upon by the devil who directed their evil influence against, especially against brother and sister wife. The latter were in great distress for a season, but were at last delivered by the grace of God in their own earnest efforts. They find the power of God rests upon them, and they acted a prominent part in the proclamation of the last message of mercy. But Sister White had a richer supply of heavenly wisdom and love than the rest. Mm. Amen. Mm. Yeah, that was quite a dream, wasn't it? Yes. Mm. And well needed, came just in time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she said this dream strengthened her confidence that the Lord would lead you out and finish the work of restoration that has begun and that you should, I guess she would once again enjoy the spirit of God as, as they did in times past and even more abundantly. And so, or he's saying that, you know, uh, he's saying that it strengthened his confidence that the Lord would lead them out and finish the work. But, so, you, you know, see, that's how important it is for us to continue to pray and lift each other up. Because like Lakita's uh, area may be in stewardship. Maybe God put me in another area or anybody else in another area. But it's for us to continue to uplift each other because we all are doing one thing. We're coming together to tell the world about God. And if you're, you, and like I said, there's many different areas that you, I mean, I, like me, I, I would never, I saw the choir today. Oh, Lord have mercy. I could never, ever imagine me having a voice like that until I get to heaven. But, that's, that's, <laughs> but you know, that's one way that they're reaching out, their, their voices. And like I said, mine might be in education and somebody else, you know, and maybe, you know, teaching them about exercising and, you know, but God, like, like, like I said, this really brought it out to me as I read you know, more and more that, you know, God expects for sisters and brothers to uplift each other in whatever area that they're in, that as long as they're following God and trying to serve God, we need to uplift each other and pray for each other because 
we know that those areas may not be easy, especially when you're dealing with young people and teenagers and young adults. Yeah, yeah, God does expect us, wants us to lift each other up and to love each other, you know, to be caring about each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm with Lee. I think sometimes, even though, some, I think sometimes we're so busy looking outside the church that we're just overlooking the stuff inside the church. You know, like the testimony we had about the young lady and her family, you know, the father um, getting the gun after the son. You know, that's, those were members of the church. And we're looking right past people because we're so busy trying to look for people who are not in the church, you know, and I, and I, it's kind of like, you have to just do both. You're, you're in evangelism in and out. Yeah. Cause I like how it finishes up. It says, forget not that humanity, humility is the door that leads to the rich supply of the grace of God. May the Lord bless you and your compassion and children and grant us to meet in the heavenly kingdom. Yours in bonds of Christian love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, it's, you know, God is an on-time God. And I think that Sister White got this letter just when she needed encouragement, just when she needed her faith to be strengthened, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, um, uh, what am I trying to think of in the Bible? Um, oh, what was it? When Jesus, when uh, um, the, um, the, the night of the configuration, the Mount configuration, when Jesus was strengthened, Sister White got this letter just when she needed to be strengthened. And she goes on to talk about how the dream gave her encouragement and that she had some confidence in this, this, this dream from Brother Mason in this letter. And she says that, um, she didn't, she didn't really know him, but she had some confidence because she was shown, she had been shown that he was one who possessed humility and who, if he maintained his consecration, he would be qualified to point souls to the lamb of God. And she said that he had no knowledge of the trials of her mind and what she had been going through. She said not one word had ever, or line or letter or whatever had ever passed between them. And so the dream coming when it did and from whom it did, she said it looked to her like the hand of God reaching out to help her. And so it's interesting that it came from someone that in her mind, it was a reliable source. It was came right when she needed it because she said she had been on the verge of becoming an infidel because of all this persecution that was coming unjustified, you know? Um, and I, it was like, like I said, you know, they were wrong no matter what they did. And it was what she needed and it was what it's what it helped to strengthen her to continue for the trials ahead and for what, you know, they had to continue to face and to keep going. And um, I think that, 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 that God is like that. He knows what we need when we need it. And especially when we are determined and diligent about the course that he has set us on, the path that he has set us on. And, 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 and you know, one other thing that makes me uh, think about the brother that came, that 
came to her, he didn't wait to ask anybody else. He didn't look around to see if he was going to be criticized and be torn down like them. He came straight to her to let her know. He took it upon himself. The spirit moved him to come to talk with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we want to end there for today. Um, any other comments uh, so far? Well, yeah, well, I do have this one. I was thinking this. And we have to remember that if you do a good job in the church of God, don't think you're going to get accolades. And people are going to like you and that that's going to be, you know, something that people, you know, care about you. That's just the opposite. The better you do, it seems, the more enemies you will have. Sooner or later, it's going to be somebody going to say, oh, you know, that's Brother Carol. He's always up front talking about stuff, talking about giving money and everything. He don't do nothing but talk about giving money. So it's going to come back at you sooner or later. And for us to remember to just, um, you know, we can't let go of God's hands. And we have to know we can't start guessing, well, am I supposed to be here? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, we have to really hold on to God and keep keep going. Don't just, we just cannot expect a, a positive response from people. It's, it's sad to say, but you don't know who's harboring jealous. And remember, we're laying up treasures in heaven. Our reward is in heaven, mm-hmm. not what not what other people give us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Um, all right. Any other comments before we close for today? All right, Lee. Where are we next week? Uh, we're in the book Christian Service again by Ellen White. We're on a sub chapters Human Moralist human moralist and it says many who call themselves Christians are mere human moralists and that's uh, paragraph 45.1 human moralist okay okay all right um all right Patsy would you mind closing us out for today I don't have a problem Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the breath of life. We thank you for giving us another day to come to study your word. Now, Lord, as we continue to go out in your vineyard, Lord, we ask for your wisdom, your understanding, and your knowledge be placed in us as we go out and we talk to people and we do it in love to let them know who you are and what you did on Calvary and that you're soon to come. Lord, forgive us of our sins, our inequities, and our transgressions, Lord. Give us a clean heart and a clean mind. Lord, continue to put your spirit in us and put a hand of protection around each and every person on this earth, Lord, because you're soon to come and we all want to be ready for your kingdom. We ask these things in your holy and precious name, giving thanksgiving to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, um, we're having some technical difficulties today, so I'm going to have to end the live stream, but it's going to cut everything off. So. All right, we'll see you guys later. Okay, all right. All right, bye. Bye. <clears throat>